All right, how many of you are excited about God's word? We should be excited about God's word. It is living and active, the Bible says. It can divide soul and spirit, bone and marrow. In other words, the truth is so strong that you can't, uh, you can't get away from it. And so we've been in our evangelism series for the last few weeks. We're going to tie it up today. This is the last week. What I wanted to do the past two weeks is help us to engage uh, when it comes to the gospel or the good news. That's what the gospel means. And so for the final two weeks, I wanted to give you something practical that everybody can use right now. So last week, we talked about the power of a testimony. Everybody has a story. And when God has changed your life, it just amplifies your story that much more. And that's what a testimony is. Um, the name of our series is Eyewitness, like the letter I, like personal eyewitness. There's this term called witnessing that Christians like to use, and it means to share their faith with somebody else. And that's what it means when somebody says, oh, I witnessed to somebody. That means they shared their faith with somebody. And so that's what we are hoping this series has done, was inspired you and challenged you to step out a little bit more in sharing your faith. Because statistics say that of all the Christians, Bible-believing Christians who attend a church and they're active in church, less than 2% actively share their faith. And I'll just say this, that to be a disciple, to be a follower of God, it cannot be separated from one who brings good news to others. That's what God wants to do. And so today, last week we talked about the power of a testimony. And let me just share this before we get going because it was so good. And I know some of you weren't here. Um, but to be a witness, if you were to study that word, the two Greek words that they use to translate that word witness... One of them means uh, martyr. We know what a martyr is. The meaning of it means to actually lose your life. To lose your life. To witness means to become a martyr and to lose your life. Now, how do we lose our life according to the Bible? There are two ways. One is literally. Literally. If I were to talk like this in front of um, an underground Chinese church they would relate with it right away. They are ready to give their life. If I were to talk like this uh, in, in Iranian church in Iran, they would know this immediately. To switch faith is instant beheading. That's, that's the penalty. And so there is a literal losing of your life. And there are Christians in our world today that pay with their life. Uh, so they understand that. The other way that the Bible says that we lose our life is figuratively. Okay, we may not lose our physical life, but somehow we are still called to lay down ourselves, to get past our, our pride, to, um, to, to maybe we have a reputation or we're worried about what others think. To lay your life down means to um, put that aside and to do what God has called us to do. And so God has called us to lay down our life. Thank God that it's figuratively and I pray that none of us will ever have to literally pay with our, with our life, give our life in that, in that way. Uh, the other way, uh, the other word, excuse me, the other, um, 
The other Greek word to describe um, witness is the, the meaning of it is a verb. It's actually a verb, and it means to do again. So when you testify, what you're telling God is he can do it again. So when you don't testify, we don't give God the same opportunity to do what he did again. So if God has changed your life and you tell somebody that Jesus has changed my life, guess what? You are saying God can do it again. Or if you were sick and God healed you and you start to tell people, you know what? God healed me. You are also, there's a promise attached to your testimony. As you're testifying, you're saying God can heal you also. And so that's what testimony means. So last week was something that you could start today with your testimony, and you can go out and you can be a witness. And so today, we're finishing it up with the power of an invitation. The power of an invitation. They say that one in four people would come to church if they were simply invited. One in four people would come to church if they were simply invited. Now, let me ask you this. Have you ever been not invited somewhere? Have you ever been not invited to something? Have you ever been scrolling through your social media and you see your friends and you're going, I didn't know about this. Or maybe there was a, you know, maybe there was a family chat group and everybody was on it, but they failed to tell you. Right? You know, it could be any number of things. How does that, how does that make you feel? Do you remember those feelings? They're pretty strong, right? When you're going, man, they didn't even tell me. And I thought, I thought I knew them, you know, and I thought we were family, you know what I mean? Now, how many have been invited to something very memorable? Uh, maybe even life-changing. And so maybe it was you know, to, you know, something at work, you know, and maybe you didn't think you had the skill for something. Maybe you didn't think you had what it took. And then your boss says, hey, you know what? Why don't you join us in this meeting? I think this will be good. And you're going, me? Right? And all of a sudden you feel like, but you put that face on like, yeah, 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 I belong here. You know, but inside you're going, what am I doing here? Right? And it makes you feel good. Or maybe it was the first time that um, for those of you who are married, but maybe the first time your spouse invited you on a date. You remember those feelings? God, I think he's the one. Remember that? Or maybe it was the first time your, your, your then fiance, maybe, I guess, uh, invited you to meet the family. Right? Now you're thinking, oh, I'm in. All this is this. She's invited me to meet the family, right? But those invitations, they do something to somebody, And, you know, there's something about an invitation. The more uh, influential the person is or the more uh, powerful they are or the more well-known they are, the more the invitation means something. And we're going to find out today that God, of all people, is issuing an invitation to everyone. But as I was studying this, I, I began to see it differently. I have a, a best friend who is here in Vegas. The, the way it worked out was just really incredible. When we were younger, we lived at Anderson Air Force Base, which was on the island of Guam. We lived on an Air Force Base across the street from each other. 
My sister got saved first. I got saved after her. I led him to the Lord. He is now a pastor here in the city of Las Vegas. So we get to hang out. And so, you know, we compare notes sometimes. What are you preaching on? Oh, I'm preaching on this. And he asked me, what are you preaching on? I said, well, I'm preaching on, you know, um, Luke chapter 14. That's a hint. You can turn there if you want to. Luke chapter 14, the, the, the great banquet. And so we began to talk about this. And, you know, we went back and forth and we're sharing notes and we're reading and we're going, wow, wait a minute. Did you ever see this? And we're going back and forth. And, and I think I have something here that's really going to uh, challenge all of us in a very good way. So are you ready? Okay, take a deep breath. Breathe out. Here we go. Luke chapter 14. It says this in verse 16. But he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field. I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Verse 20. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. And so the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets to the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done. And still, say still, there's more room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel them. Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Pray with me for a moment. Father, we thank you for your word today. And Lord, we know that uh, this is something that is so important to you. And even though we are looking at a parable, Father, it represents your heart. And so, Father, may we not miss your heart today. Holy Spirit, as always, have your way. Help us to glean, help us to understand. But after that, help us to apply what we learn today. Speak to us, I pray in Jesus' name. God's church said, well, as I was saying, I have to admit that I, I would always zone in on certain things. I've, this isn't the first time. I, I've probably read this, this passage many, many, many times. And each time, you know what I gravitate to, probably because I can relate, is the complainers, right? Oh, I can't go to church, you know, I just, you know, I, I just bought a field. You know, I just bought some oxen. And to me, that already doesn't make sense. How many of you buy a car without, look, without test driving it? Right? You know, and then the one that might be real is, yo, I just got married. <laughs> you know, I don't know, my wife, you know, she might not let me go, right? Now, that might be real. That might be real, I'm just saying. You know, but... If you ask me, I think the wife, if this was something that was so great and so grand, I think she would want to be there, don't you? She would probably want to put on her best dress and her, her nice jewelry, right, and be a part of something grand. And so even that, I don't know, it doesn't carry a whole lot of weight to me. But um, 
again, as I was having conversation with my friend and we just began to talk and really just, I mean, dive into this, it really just came alive. And in order to understand this passage, you have to understand the whole context of, of the book of Luke. And so, you know, Jesus, the gospels always talk about the life of Jesus. A few chapters in, Jesus begins his ministry. And one of the first things uh, that Jesus does, he, he tells uh, uh, parables, which are stories, and this is one of them. But when you look at the pattern of the parables, you start to understand this is all adding up to something. And then we're going to land in this passage, but then you keep reading the Bible and the parables, and you realize it's solidifying where, where we had already come from. And so I want us as a church to not miss this. So the context of this scripture to understand it, you have to understand that Jesus is talking about a banquet and it looks grand on the surface. It looks like something you really want to be a part of and you do. But what we don't realize is this is the end. Jesus is talking about the end. We've all been to movies. We've all watched the credits go up and then we see the words, the end. And what does that mean? The end. No more movie. There's that, that's, that's it. Life as we know it. And this, this, this was the movie. And so we're talking about this banquet. And it's the end. And then you start to understand that this is not about uh, rebuking the, the visitors. This is, not, this is about urgency. It's about urgency. Because if, this is, if it all culminates and it all lands here, guess what? We don't have a lot of time, guys. And so now this story starts to take a different shape, doesn't it? Chapter 8, before this, we're in 14. Chapter 8, the parable of the sower and the lamp under a jar. Jesus was saying, you are a light, you can't hide it. Please, please, don't hide it. And then in chapter 9, count the cost of being a disciple. If you want to follow me, this is what we do first. We share the word. If you want to follow me, and he said, count the cost. Because it's not easy, and I'm telling you, but if you're going to follow me, this is what we, this is what Christians, this is what followers of Christ do. We scatter seed. We share the word first. And then, um, and I'm skipping over some, but, uh, you know, later on in, in uh, chapters 10 and 11, he talks about uh, anyone who says, you know, first let me bury my father and my mother, you know, and that's a legit thing. I mean, you know. We have debts in the family, and that's a legit thing. I mean, you take off work, you miss everything else for something like that. And so you're thinking, man, Jesus, that's kind of hard. What are, you, what are you saying? And now you start to wonder, and Jesus is saying, this is so, so, so important to me. So important to me that I don't want anybody to miss this. And so... Uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Um, and then again, he talks about the light. This is uh, now in chapter 10 and 11, 12. The parable of the wedding banquet, he talks about keeping your lamps always ready because you never know when the master's gonna show up. That's speaking of uh, rapture, end times. And you know we don't talk a whole lot about that, but I'll tell you, it's, it's a very real thing. And I think we're a lot closer than we have ever been. When I look at our world, I'm, you know, I'm going, whoa, God, you know. But again, it's not, yes, God, hurry, come and take me. It should be, 
God, please wait. I know people who don't know you. And that's the urgency that he's, he's creating here and telling this story. And so the reason why this story came up is because he was at a house with some religious people. And at dinner, they have this intense discussion about the Sabbath. And Jesus is challenging them. You hold so strong to that Sabbath. But if your son were to fall into something, wouldn't you pull him out? That would take work. Or if your oxen, where you or your livelihood comes from, wouldn't you pull your oxen out on the Sabbath? And so it was tense. And so Jesus makes his final point. He drops the mic and it's, everyone's like, you know, this is awkward at the table. And so one guy, we started in verse 16, the verse before that, he kind of cracks a joke. And he goes, well, you know, well, everyone is going to be blessed uh, eating bread at God's table. Ha, 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 ha. You know, to try to break the, you know, the awkwardness. And then even that, Jesus picks up on it. He goes, I can imagine Jesus going, how am I going to tell this guy that he is not going to be there? Because he was one of the religious leaders and he just assumed we're all going to be at God's table. And Jesus was showing her, look, there's something not right here. And so Jesus brings up this story of a banquet. He goes into it and he tells who God wants to be there and how you get there. Now I'm going to give you uh, three Three observations, I'll call them. Um, and I'm kind of paraphrasing because uh, we got communion and I want to get through this. I don't want you guys to miss, miss this, but um, let me go right into my first point. It's this. God invites all. Say all. God invites all to know his heart. So the religious person says, we'll all... Be blessed. We'll all be eating bread at God's table. And Jesus is going, you're absolutely right, but not you. And he goes into the story. And in Luke 14, verse 16 and 17, he says, but he said to him, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent a servant to say to those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. How many know in eternity there's going to be an appointed time? And so this is, stay with me, this is this picture. So first, let me ask you this, what do you observe about the master of the house? What can we observe? He's, he seems like a generous guy. You know, I know he got a little bit upset at something, but, you know, for the most part, he's, he's generous. He, you know, he's in, he's inviting. He's, you know, he's inviting everybody. He's setting everything up. He's rich and generous at the same time. I mean, that's not easy to find. He, you know, he's making it easy for people to get there. He's not changing anything. He's not charging. He's not charging a uh, you know a cover charge. You know, this is the the, the party of the, of eternity. You know, hey man, you know you gotta you know get your tickets. No, it wasn't that. He took care of everything, and then he said, just show up. He makes it all attractive, but here's another thing. As I said, God is very, very inviting, and somehow we see him differently, and we shouldn't. We see this picture, and he makes everything so simple, but he's an inviting God. And when it comes to evangelism, God wants the party to be full. He wants his house to be full. There are some people 
that we relate with. We allow some people to come close to a certain point. And then after sometime we say, you know, that's about it right there. You know, this is how, this is how far I want to, you know, how close I want to get to somebody, right? And proximity says a lot about your relationship with somebody. And God is saying, bring them all in. Yeah, they don't know me. I don't know them. But bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them, bring them. He invites all to know his heart. There's no price he didn't pay. There's no sacrifice he didn't make to make this happen, to make this possible. And, you know, and he wants us to tell everybody. And, you know, somehow when it comes to our, our Christianity and when it comes to our, the way we share our faith, we, we have this idea that, you know, the way I share my faith is I kind of get to know somebody first, right? And that's a very powerful, that's probably, honestly, the most effective way to probably lead somebody into the Lord is to get to know them after they trust you, then, you know, you, you take them through and eventually they come to know Christ. And so somehow we think that as long as we're doing that, that the bigger crowd, the bigger community can be ignored. And so, you know, there's this, if I could say it this way, when we share God's good news, when we share his word, God wants us to go broad, okay? Because he doesn't want anybody excluded. Makes sense, right? If, and then, the better way is to go closer. So you got broad, we may not know each other, but maybe there is somebody that I kind of know and God wants me to go closer for the sake of maybe, you know, bringing them into the kingdom. And then God wants us to go personal. Okay, you see how this kind of funnels down from broad to closer to now personal. You have a connection with somebody, you have a relationship and now you can be real and now you can be honest Right? And that's a good thing. And I'm telling you, if that's what you do, great, don't stop. But what I'm saying is, there's another picture here that God says you can't ignore. And it's the bigger picture out there. Outside of these walls. And so, God wants us to sow seed and scatter seed. If you were to, um, Again, we're, we're talking about this. But you know what it means to sow seed, one who sows seed? It means this. It means to have a sack full of seed and you reach in with a handful and you throw it. That's what it means to sow seed. And God tells us in his word, sow seed, sow my word. And you know, here's the thing. Sowing seed takes no skill. Think about that. God's saying, I want you to scatter seed and you don't, even have to, you don't even have to really know the Bible. It's better if you do. You can, with your testimony, scatter seed. You can, with an invitation, scatter seed. Here's another thing. When you scatter seed, it's not your responsibility to hit the right soil. God says, I'll take care of all that. Don't worry, you just scatter. That is your job. If you follow me, this is what you do first. You worship me, 
and you scatter seed. There is good news. And if we have been changed by the gospel, we should be agents of change for the gospel. Point number two, not only does God invite all to know his heart, God invites all to know their significance. If you read the story, you read the story, there's, there's three groups of people for the sake of understanding. There was those that they personally knew, the ones that were making the excuses. I mean, why would they be telling their business if you didn't really know them? You know what I'm saying? You know, yo, bro, my wife, man. Oh, gotcha. Right? They had to kind of have to know each other, right? They had to have been friends. And matter of fact, they made the guest list first. There's a reason why they were on that guest list. And then, so there's um, those that they personally know. And then there's those that they're familiar with. How many live in a neighborhood? How many know your neighbors to the right and to the left? Like, you, like you've met them, you personally know them. Right, okay. But how many of you may not know the people down the street? But you see them. You drive by, you might, you know, right? Say hi, and it becomes a thing. I think that's cool when neighborhoods are like that. You know, hey, people wave. You know, but you don't know each other, but you're familiar. You're familiar that, yeah, you know, Tom down the street. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I don't really know him, but yeah, I know Tom. So there's those people. And then there are those that they just are not familiar with. And that's what it's talking about here when he says, go out and tell the invitees that they, everything is ready, show up. And then they make excuses and they don't get there. So let's look at something real quick. Um, after all the excuses, the master tells them, go to the streets and the lanes. That's kind of the next level. Okay, so the friends, okay, they can't come. All right, go to your other neighbors now. The ones you kind of know, hey, Tom, I know we never met. You know, I know you live down the street. But man, there's this, you know, gathering we're having. It's free, good food. You want to join? And now we're called to go to people that we're, you know, maybe you've worked with for years, but you haven't really hung out. You know, or maybe you go to the same grocery store and it's the same clerk every single time. And now you guys are like, oh, hi, how you been? Oh, good. Right? And you're kind of familiar. And so Jesus, uh, the master says, go out and get those people. And so he goes and he gets them and they show up. And he says, master, I've done that. And there's still more room. And then the master says, okay, go out beyond the limits to the, to the highways. I mean, you're talking out there now. If you know where I live, my house is the last exit before Reno. Jesus is saying, go out that far and start inviting people. If there's more room, call them. And so it goes from, it's kind of backwards now. It goes from very personal to more impersonal. And God is, this is God saying, this is where you are to go. Go out there and get people. And so they had more people than what was originally planned for it looks to me because if, if it was the invitee list maybe maybe there was a you know a hundred people but now if they're going out into the city and pulling people in that's got to be more than a hundred to me that tells me that this master had planned a big a big old part he can accommodate anybody and he made sure he could 
Because he wouldn't have said, go get them if he couldn't. And then he says, highways and hedges. Go out to Sky Canyon where Pastor Roland lives and nobody else goes and invite them. And people started showing up. Let me tell you that God doesn't forget anybody. And God includes everybody. And then point number three, God, listen to this. God urgently invites you to participate in calling all to his kingdom. God urgently, say urgently, calls me, say me, to participate in calling people into his kingdom. Now, not only were there three people groups they were trying to reach, there's three people who were the key to, to this story. Um, there was the uh, master, obviously, that represents God. And then there was um, the, in, the invitees, okay, those, you know, the, the friends and the lost. And then there was also another person called the servant. Now, let me read this verse to you. And you're going to notice that as we go through this story, it gets more urgent as we get closer to the end. Verse 21 says, so the servant came, this is the first time, the servant came back and reported these things to his master. Master, they can't make it. Uh, you know, homeboy got a new car, uh, you know, and you know, so he, I know he's fine with his wife. He's putting it out, but he's, you know, she's mad at him. He can't come. And then he tells that to the master, and the master says, read this. Then the master of the house became what? The master of the house became angry. Now, let me ask you this. Who is the master angry at? Somebody whispered, who was that? Was that you, Mav? That was Gary. Of course it would be Gary, man. Could it be that the master was angry at the servant? Here's the way I see this picture. We talked about this, me and my friend, for at least an hour and a half. I won't tell you how much food we ate. That's probably why I was so excited about preaching this, because it's about food. Here's the way I perceive that the conversation went. The servant says, Master, the friends can't come. The master's going, and? Master, my, 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 I've invited and my friends can't come, master. And? And now what? You stop there? You stop with your friends? Is that how far your evangelism goes? Think about this. And then the master is upset. He goes, go, go into the city lanes in the streets and invite. Sometimes I feel like, you know how you have kids and they're small and you give them chores and they'll do one chore and they're like, okay, I swept. And you're like, did you vacuum? <laughs> Right? And I see that this is kind of the way this is going. So he goes out and he comes back. And he says, Master, I've done everything you said. And there's still more room. And he's going, 
And it, do we stop here? Go back to the hedges and the highways. Go as far as you can go. And now you start to see this picture that the servant probably used that excuse of, you know, God, I've tried to invite all my friends and they've made excuses. How many of your friends have made excuses when you invited them to church? How many of your friends have, have uh, re- rejected you? No, I'm, I'm, me and Jesus, we're okay. I don't need them right now. We're, you know, my life is good. How many of your friends have done that? Okay. And now we're saying, God, I've, I've shared with them and God's going, and? And? Okay, here's what we do next. Your friends have already said no. Leave them. You're still friends. I'm not saying leave them. You're still friends, but Jesus said, okay, you've done what you can. You've planted that seed. It's now not your responsibility because I bring the increase, the Bible says. Last week in our prayer meeting, um, uh, it was me, Beth, and who else was in there with us? Uh, Last Sunday. Veronica. And we were just, as we were praying, we're picking up this, and it was very specific. The word was urgency, wasn't it? It was urgency, and God began to challenge us. Oh, you've, you've reached out so far? Hmm, do we stop there? And I, we began to share our heart for the church and, and for people, and God really stirred us. And this is what's going on here. So we have friendship and relational evangelism, and let me tell you, that's good, it's effective. I've led more people to the Lord probably through that than anywhere else. But God will not allow me to neglect the ones that are on the fringes. He will not allow me to neglect further out in the community where I haven't been. One of the first parables in Luke was about sowing and scattering seed. And then the parables got more and more urgent after that. And then we land in chapter 14. And then afterwards, guess what Jesus talks about? He talks about the banquet. Hurry up, bring them in, bring them in, bring them in. And then he, in the later chapter, starts talking about the parable of the lost coin. And he talks about the parable of the lost sheep. And, he's like, and you just see this pattern now of what Jesus is, what God is really trying to do here. And for, you know, for those of you who don't know, the, the woman who was looking for the coin, you're thinking, man, that must have been a valuable coin. No, it wasn't. It was part of her wedding attire. Back in, in, in uh, Middle Eastern culture, they'll design their wedding dresses with jewelry and pieces of, of, uh, uh, of coins. Sometimes those coins are given by the other family. And so you can imagine if that coin was given by, her, you know, by the other family and that coin is part of her wedding dress, imagine how meaningful that day is for her and she loses it. You can imagine her going, we are not leaving until I find that coin. And Jesus is teaching on these parables. Now, I'm going to end this message uh, with a couple of pictures. As me and my friend were discussing this, um, if you have those pictures, you can go ahead and throw those up. Uh, do the next one. 
This is Nancy. Uh, she's, she was 63 year, years old at the time. That was March 30th of 2016. And so my friend, who is a pastor, um, he was just telling his testimony. You think he's a pastor. He should be, he should be preaching like, you know, really preaching, right? Because he's a pastor. He knows. No, he was just sharing his testimony. Somebody was touched by his testimony. And he said, Pastor, can you follow me to this house? It's a drug house. And I want you to say what you just said to us. And so he said, okay, you know what? He even brought his family because he thought it was a rehabilitation center. When he got there, it was a literal rundown house with no windows, glass on the floor, old dingy furniture, and people were drawn out. I mean, they were drugged out from being high. I mean, it was a, that kind of a drug house. And he thought, what did I just get myself into? Because think about it. Jesus is telling us to go out there, but how many of us really want to be there? And he was admitting to me, I did not want to be there, but I was there and I wanted to obey. And he said, I began to share my testimony. He's sharing his testimony. Nancy comes up and she says, Pastor, would God have mercy on an old prostitute like me? And so he began to weep and he broke down. He didn't know what to do. So he says, just let me grab your hands and, and let me pray for you. And he said, yes, Jesus can have mercy on you, even you. And he started to pray with her. She received Jesus. Moments after that, not even knowing God, not knowing the Bible, nothing. She gets baptized in the Holy Spirit and she starts speaking in tongues. Amazing, amazing story. And so what happens after that is he, they, he leaves the house. He's, he keeps in touch with, with some people. And he finds out that two weeks later, Nancy passed away. Her body couldn't keep up with all the damage that was done. True story, here in this city of Las Vegas. And so her body gave up. She passed away. Guys, this is the urgency that we're talking about because we don't know the time or the hour. We don't know the place. We don't know that. And that's just talking about life. What about Jesus can return? I'm just saying, whenever he wants to, uh, you know? And so there's a real urgency here. And I know this is a, a challenging word, but I have to give it to you the way God gave it to me. If it's challenging for you, imagine how it was for me when I was studying it. And then go back to the other picture. So my friend is in the middle. The guys with the kind of the light yellow outline, <laughs> they were also at that drug house. And God saved them and God delivered them and now they are part of his church. That's what God can do. And that's what God wants us to do is to go out beyond the comfort of our friends, beyond the comfort of our families, because, you know, yeah, friendship evangelism, yeah, it's easier. Friendship evangelism, it's, it's, 
you know, it's, it's more comfortable because, you know, I mean, serving God's all about comfort, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that hit me hard too. And God wants us to go out. The power of an invitation. We go out and we say, God has something prepared for you if you'll come. Let's pray. I'll stop there. Father, thank you for your word. And Lord, just for showing us what this really means. Lord, we are the servant in that story. For those of us that know you, we're the servant. And you're telling us, go back. So far, what you've done, great. That's good. But go back. There's more. And Lord, I pray you help us to exercise that muscle. Lord, to be able to go beyond ourselves and to go beyond what's familiar and to go beyond what's comfortable. And then there's also those who are being invited. And those are the people who didn't know the master. They didn't know God. And maybe you're here today And you're saying, man, I'm being invited, but I don't know God. Just repeat this prayer with me. Just under your breath, just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. Cleanse me with your blood. Wash me clean so that I don't have to be ashamed anymore. Come into my life and change me. In Jesus' name, amen.